0: Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face-to-face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome to Encounter Grace. We're super glad you're with us. I'm Jason McKnight, and I've got with me Ben Hendricks. And Ben, this is the most wonderful time of the year. You know why? We're coming up to Memorial Day. We're coming up to the beginning of the summer. Temperature's getting warmer, although the day we're recording this, it's really cold out. But we know it's getting warmer, and we can't wait for the fun in the the beach, in the pool, uh, all in the uh, popsicles, by the pool and tanning together and fun with friends in the sun. How do you like that alliteration? Come on now. You worked really hard
1: on that one, didn't you? So,
0: so <laughs> we really are. As we launch into summer, it's the best time of the year.
1: Well, and that's actually what we want to talk about today is this problem that, you know, we get to problem. look forward, I know, look forward <laughs> to all that fun. But I think for many of us, we hear things like this and can't help but feel a little bit of anxiety and fear about the whole situation. You know, it's not because of who might be there, or even that we're, we're so busy we may not be able to make it, but something a little closer to home because we don't like the way we look. Maybe for some of us, we try on our swimsuits, we look in the mirror, and we hate what we see.
0: Are you looking at me?
1: I. Uh, this is this podcast <laughs> is for you. <laughs> and maybe we all do that little dance that many of us have done. This is totally I. I uh, someone else told me this. This is not me. Yeah, wait a you know, minute now. You know, we, we, we look in the mirror. We change positions. Maybe we flex just a little bit. We look for better lighting. We try on as many swimsuits as it takes. We suck in. and We do it all, right? And, <laughs> and for many of us, we can... The problem is we land on this, old, this, this defeated question of, do I really look like that? Where we quickly transform our bodies from gifts to wells of shame.
0: Hmm.
1: We highlight the flaws... The blemishes and the problems.
0: Mine's a (laughs) 45-gallon drum of shame.
1: (laughs) Same belt loop, though, right? (laughs) We focus on the things that we wish uh, were just different. Like, we just naturally do that. I think we all have, at times, been hindered by our bodies. The pool party, Mm. the beach trip, even the fitting room. The aching shoulder, the torn ligament, the broken bone.
0: Now we're getting close to home. (laughs)
1: And at times, we've seen it in COVID, and cancer, mm. and for some, even infertility. Mm-hmm. So many moments when the body we have isn't the body we want. So we hide, we cover up, and our distaste and animosity of our bodies grow. We dissect the flaws, we critique the curves, and slur the body God has given us. Mm. I mean, the fat we don't want, the muscles we don't have, the past we can't change... We're too old, we're too fat, we're too skinny, too hurt, too broken, too late. Mm. We have so much to say about our bodies. But here's the good news. So does God. I mean, that's great. Well, so,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, let's take a look. Like, let's let's dive in because you you actually had the heart for this episode. You said, I think we really need to help folks. in not just, like, I mean, it's, it's always so cliche to say, well, the student pastor was talking to students. But we know that with kids, but we also know it with adults.
1: Yeah. And I
0: appreciate the breadth of this. It's not just social media. It's also, you know what? Our bodies are breaking down and we don't have the body we want. So what does God say about it and what help can we gain from this?
1: Yeah, I think there are two keys to understand our body and there are probably more, but I think two that we can focus on at least here and we'll expand on them as we go. But the first two or the two are, That God defines, first God defines what he designs, and then the Mm -hmm. second one is you are your body and your body is you. Let's look at God -hmm. defines what he designs. Genesis 2 makes it very clear that God created us with bodies. We'll actually talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. But that the foundational point is what God has created, he gets to define what it is. And he said a lot about our bodies. Uh, Let me offer you three truths of God's design. That these are His words; they're not mine. I'm not just looking at uh, His creation, saying, "Hey, this is what I see. This is what when He created it, here's what He said." And this is through uh, the Psalmist in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. He says, "For You informed my inward parts; You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise You, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are Your works; my soul knows." Uh, it very well. Let me offer hmm. you three truths that we just need to remember about our bodies. The first is that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Hmm. Here's the problem we and, read those and, and words. And you don't
0: just mean. Jason, the soul. You mean Jason, the soul and the body. All of us, one. Like yep. all, all of. Yeah, and we'll who get there as well. Yeah, but uh, like, that's it. Fearfully and yep. wonderfully made. In terms of my big toe.
1: Yep. Every part of you is fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. And here's what's incredible about that is we often kind of run past what those yeah. words mean because yeah. we understand we're like oh fearful, wonderful, great, but when these words are used, they always mean awesome. Huh. Here's the problem, though. Huh. We use the word awesome for everything how are you today? I'm awesome. Right, right. When we recommend something at a restaurant, hey, get the pizza. It's awesome.
0: You got to try it. Cheesecake is always awesome.
1: Yeah. But the problem is very few things are truly awesome. Like the Bible mentions it only, I mean, more than a handful of times, but not that many. A couple examples, Deuteronomy 6, a recalling of the miracles and signs God performed in Egypt. Those were awesome. Hmm. In Judges 13, the face of the angel of God that is awesome and Psalm 47 the Lord himself most high mm. he's awesome but what God tells us here is that yes God is awesome yes the Lord the angel of the Lord is awesome yes his miracles and signs and wonders are awesome but so is your body the interest the intricacies the details the workings out of it billions of cells working together and doing multiple things at different times all at once it's not a coincidence; it's a design. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. The second one is that we're individually made. Like, there's a big difference in, mm. you know, our hipsters who are listening; they'll know this. There's a big difference between <laughs> the like artisanal and mass-produced. You know, artisanal mm. like you pay the extra money because you know it's handcrafted. Mass-produced is ah, oh, there's not really a purpose. There's not really like we just we 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 made them all the same. Yep. That loses character. There's just something better about artisanal, or however you say it. The great reminder of being individually made is that your body was not mass produced, but crafted specifically for you. Jason, you have your body meant for you. It, yeah. it, and what yeah. we'll talk about is it is you. There, we, we can't separate who we are from our bodies, and that God has in, individually made bodies for us. That's incredible, because there's always somebody else's body that we wish we had. Mm-hmm. Maybe the way it looks, maybe the way it yeah. functions, yeah. whatever. But God gave you your body. There's a lot of hope in that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's the third one that were purposefully made. God, and we'll again touch on this later, that your body has a purpose. And they are what he intended them to be. That ultimately mm-hmm. our lives are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Your body is designed to help you do that. Hmm. and so many other things. God gave your body a purpose to hold you up, to make you mobile, to that's keep great. you alive, and all of these other things. And that w- even though we at times will have limitations, the body we have is the one that God intended for us because they're purposefully made, they're individually hmm. made, and they're fearfully and wonderfully made.
0: So that's from Psalm 139. And that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like I've always just thought of the, that verse in the sense of, um, oh, the unborn, we need to un, uh, protect the unborn because Absolutely. it's knit me together in my mother's womb. But then to actually say, well, and that very knitting, once it's born and lives for 50 years, fearfully, wonderfully made, individually made, purposefully made. Wow. Yeah. God, God has put you as he wants you. God defines what God designs. Psalm 139 helps us with that. Okay. Now draw it out, Uh, help, help me in life with that. So what are some implications, applications, takeaways?
1: So here's the great news. These are all true, no matter your limitations. So for the person who's handicapped...
0: You're not going to list mine now, are you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, we don't have enough time, Jason. Uh, for the person who's handicapped, unable to walk, maybe they mm. were born without an arm, maybe it happened later in life. Like Your value doesn't decrease based on the limitations that you have. Yeah. That you, again, were wonderfully yep. and yep. fearfully made, you're individually made, you're purposefully made. With all the limitations you have, with all those little things you hate about yourself your value doesn't change because of that. Hmm. And these are all still true even when we feel broken, even when the things that, even when our bones are broken, even when we're unable to do those things that used to bring us purpose. Like I know this at an intimate level after being hurt, after going (laughs) through just like, just trying to recover from that and losing on the things that I thought my value was from. We all have moments of this where our limitations hinder us from doing something but these don't change because of that. The same is true for some of the people, and we have st- people like this in our body, who are struggling with infertility. And the hard part about that is so many people, because they are because they have this issue, like they yeah. feel broken, they feel yeah. like they're messed, they feel deformed, and the reality is, you're still fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change that. You're still individually made, you're still purposefully made. Yeah, but here's idea. one that is a little bit more broad, that. You know, Genesis 2 reminds us that we are physical beings. So we are physically made and are physically beings. And so what that means is that we need to be physically present. Hmm. And we live in a time where I think this is the most challenging, one of the most challenging things. Because it's the most challenged. Because life and social interaction have largely moved all online. If the last two years of COVID have hmm. taught us, I mean, they've taught us a lot. But one of those things is that, that digital interaction falls vastly short of personal relationship of actual physical touch. Like we see this in social media that where we are able to connect broadly, but rarely deeply. Mm. We have unprecedented access to the world, but little to none meaningful interaction. And technology has allowed us to connect broadly. Like I just said, with Skype, with FaceTime, with texting, with social media and more but there's a massive difference between seeing someone and being in the room with them. Mm. It's great to see family on a screen, but being in that room with them is a game changer.
0: Which, by the way, I called my grandmother last night at 9.30 at night, and she says, oh, Jason, how are you? Can you call me back? I'm on the FaceTime with Uncle Tim. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like she's almost 101. She's FaceTiming and answering a second call. I love this. So the positives is, well, there she is in one city, her son is in another, and a grandson yep. in a third. But the negative is when all your life is online, or if if because of COVID, no one can visit her. She gets yeah. very lonely. Yeah, the presence is what matters. Because
1: the great thing is it. Technology has opened us up to the, to the availability and the ability to be able to, do, to see people that we normally would never have seen, that we'd have to get on an 8, 10-hour, 12-hour flight to go see. The problem is, yeah, when we reduce it to, that's good enough, and that's all that's that I need. That's good enough, yeah, yeah. That's
0: good, that's good.
1: And so, okay, here's the second thing. So the first being that God defines what he designs. The second is that you, the second key is that you are your body, and your body is you. So again, Genesis 2. He says this, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Let me highlight this. Hmm. Notice how God forms Adam. It's the opposite of how many of us think. Hmm. We think God made a soul, soul floated around for a while, God makes a body, fills it.
0: Do you ever hear people talk about, oh, oh, you came down from heaven to be my little child? Yeah. It's like... That's so not biblical. Yeah,
1: because the first <laughs> thing he does is he makes a body, and then he brings life to it. As a writer in the Old Testament puts it, that we are anima- we are an animated body, not an incarnated soul. Hmm. I found that helpful. Mm-hmm. And so what that means for us is that you, we, are not a soul who happens to have a body, but we're also not, we're just not a body with no soul. We have to be able to navigate those two, because those two two extremes are wrong uh carl truman wrote and said this that there is no i behind or before the body there is no us that exists independently of our flesh and that is then randomly assigned to the bodies we have our bodies are an integral part of who we are we don't occupy bodies there's not some inner bin that just happens to have this body it is an integral part of us it's an integral part of me and it's inseparable from who we are. Because I think a lot of teaching
0: this is really like let's let's stop for yep. just a second because I think a lot of people as Christians we think well what really matters is saving souls. Yep. And so we say well we we got to get someone to uh, like we got to ask the lord to save their soul or we got to get them to confess their sins so that they, their souls can be saved and they go to heaven. And, and we sort of have the body as an afterthought and it's all yeah. going to burn anyway and whatever and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And we're going to go to heaven when we die and live there forever. And it's just not true because the resurrection proves that we are our bodies and our bodies are us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead and for all eternity is a risen human in heaven.
1: Yeah. And part of that has to do with really our idea and our definition of soul mm-hmm. that we okay good yeah. yeah we we for some reason we've started to define like the I, the word soul to just mean our inner inner or spiritual life like this inner part of who i am and then we separate that from our bodies the problem with that is that the bible typically most often means something m- far more all encompassing and both the old and new testament the words used for soul mean the whole person physical and non-physical. Hmm. Let me give you a couple of quick examples just in case for those who don't quite believe me. In 1 Peter 1, 8-9, after just grounding his entire argument in the physical resurrection of Jesus, Peter says this looks to, it looks to the salvation of our souls, both physical and non-physical. Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul speaks of sexual immorality and its influence on the physical body and non-physical soul. His command is to glorify God in our bodies. 2 hmm. Corinthians 5, Paul connects the body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. It helps us see that we are, dis- that we are not distinct from our bodies. We are yeah. together yeah. both indwelt and both owned by the Holy Spirit. As a scholar also once said that your body is an essential part of you, not a vehicle driven by the real you, nor is it a costume you wear. Sometimes it feels like mm. we think that that's true. Oh, this is just the vehicle that I have or the costume I have for now. Mm-hmm. One day I'll rid myself of it.
0: Sort of like the, uh, the Enlightenment thinking ghost in a machine. We're yeah. a ghost in a machine. Like our real essence is the spirit, the yep. ghost inside this machine. I get into the machine
1: later. Yep. And so then the question is, okay, why, why do these really matter? Mm. Let me give you three in the the later two are the biggest ones so the first one a little smaller but it's worth saying is that it tempers our expectation because and i think this is helpful is it means that your body is not nothing but it also not everything hmm. see it's not nothing and we need that reminder that it, your body does actually matter it does have a purpose you are not a trapped and captured soul in, in right. a body right but it's also not everything It's not the totality of who you are. Mm -hmm. We don't make it into an idol. We don't need to make it everything, right? Because there is also the inward reality as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's a paradox, just like everything else in Christianity. It's so fun, (laughs) isn't it? It's so (laughs) great,
0: and you got to dance it, and you got to yeah. All right. So the
1: main two that we're gonna talk about for pretty much the rest of our time is, is are these. So what it's what happens inside affects what's outside, and then what happens outside affects what's inside. Hmm. Let's talk, we'll talk about both of those, and let me talk about the first one, that what happens inside affects what's outside. This is kind of the sin in our heart and how that affects the body. Hmm. And it's very clear. In, In Genesis 3, 7 and Romans 8, 20 to 21, Genesis 3, 7, we get this, when the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Sin... Is the origin of our fractured world period it's why our bodies decay it's why our bones break it's why we all eventually die but here's what I find so interesting it's how quickly because of sin Adam and Eve moved to shame it wasn't quite a while later it wasn't a couple days then they put on some weight and then they felt ashamed of how they let themselves go In an instant, sin affected the way they saw their bodies. In an instant, our sin tells us to be ashamed of who we are and ultimately to hide Hmm. and cover up. And then we see the outworkings of that kind of for most of us today as well in Romans 8, 20 to 21. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The physical world... Creation, that includes our bodies. Hmm. Subjected to futility, not not willingly. Bondage to corruption. That includes our bodies. They get sick, they break, they deform, they age, decay, and they all eventually die. Creation doesn't work as it was intended because of sin. Hmm. And so the problem is this. We live in a broken world with broken bodies. Cancer heart disease, COVID, broken bones, the flu, body shame, infertility, and more. And I think the two biggest examples that kind of cover all these is sickness and body shame. And I think we need the reminder that sickness is a result of the fall. It's not God's curse on us most of the time. And an important reminder is that suffering isn't always because of our own sinful choices. We can often blame these things on like, oh, I bet I did this wrong and God gave me cancer.
0: No, right. That's not true. This is bad theology. It has nothing to do with your body. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's not that, as a person once wrote, it's not that one person suffering is a sign of his or, his or her sin, but that anyone suffering is a sign of everyone's sin. Our bodies mm-hmm. are broken because of sin, and we're living our lives in a broken world with broken bodies. And there's consequences to that. And the second is body shame. And I think what's amazing is we rarely see that body shame is as prevalent as it is. That What is body shame? Yeah, I think it's just a disgust for your own body. It's lowering it from the standards of the the truth of what God has made it out to be, the value that it actually has in reducing that to always, wanting, uh, always picking out flaws and just reducing it to something lower than what it really is. So kind of like
0: wishing I had a different look, a different yeah. shoulder or a different waistline or a different, or a different, and sort of in that sense, maybe it's like envy. Yeah. Like, or, or coveting or, as, as well as yeah. dissatisfaction, but it's because I'm comparing it to something.
1: Yeah. And there was a large study done in 2014 <clears throat> where they found that 54% of women uh, are unhappy with their bodies. I mean, that's huge. And that 80% said, looking in the mirror, quote, made them feel bad, end quote. Mm. I mean, body shame is prevalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a something that I think so many people are struggling with, that probably the numbers are higher than the ones that we just mentioned. And so what, what what's the problem with that? Why is body shame so prevalent? Well, one, ultimately it's sin, right? That from the foundation of sin, how quickly Adam and Eve moved to body shame, that in our sin, we hide, we cover up, we run away. But, okay, let's look at quickly our culture. Let me give you two. I think it's two things. Unrealistic beauty standards and that comparison has moved to the Internet. That And they're both really the same idea. That we have a level of standard of beauty that has we have seen in the past, but I think is on a scale that has never quite been seen. Mm-hmm. That we, like culturally, in the past, cultures have often just pushed people to look more and more like a certain image or example but the problem is for our culture that example or that image is at a level that i don't think has ever been seen because of social media because of online we are no longer comparing ourselves to quote real people yeah that's true but compared to pretty much always the 1% that when we scroll through our social media feeds when we're on Instagram when we're on whatever it is that you use the people we're seeing the people that are getting highlighted the people that are getting all the likes that all the followers and all of that are like the 1% the people with those really great genetics the people who just they they like that's their world and we act as if that's the norm when the reality is there used to be a moment when the most beautiful people we saw were kind of only the, pe- the only one, maybe that one person in that 100 person town that we lived in. But now we're compared to the whole world. And I think it's helpful, and it, it helps unite us a bit that there is no one variety of body shame. That we all are vulnerable to this, whether it's that we're too mm. skinny or that we wish we uh, we feel or too nose fat. Was smaller or yeah. whatever, you know. We all are vulnerable in some ways. We all have some level of something that we don't like and we wish was different and we want to change.
0: And some of that is coming out of our heart, and some of that is conditioned by our culture. Like yeah. like tan, being tanned today is a wonderful thing. Three hundred years ago, milky white skin was what was prized, yeah. and tan meant you worked out in the field. Yep. Being super thin today is apparently prized, but you know, two hundred years ago or three hundred years ago, rolls <laughs> shows that you're at the top of the heap because you don't, yeah. you know, you're, you're well nourished and and healthy, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that's culturally conditioned. Yeah. What do we do though? Like if like if I'm listening to this, kind of wrestling a little bit with body shame. Or with like, man, I don't love who I am. What's just a quick help for me? Like, what would you say? I mean, how have you kind of, or, you, you know, have you, have you grown in that and, and help?
1: So ask that again, I'm sorry?
0: Well, just how, how do we walk into health in terms of how we view ourselves? Like body yeah. shame, do, am I doomed, or what's the good?
1: Well, I think at some level, we always have to remind ourselves of the things that... W- we have to always ground ourselves and start in the place that God has, remi- has said. Mm. So in those first three yeah. things that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, uh, that we are individually made and purposefully made. Like I, th- I think what we always need to be very quick to jump back and remind ourselves of, this is what God has said, that despite how I look today, despite how I feel today, this is still true of me even though I put on five extra pounds because I didn't watch my diet over Christmas, I'm still fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm still individually made, I'm still purposefully made. These are good. Some of it is also just the reminder, and this is helpful for me personally, that Mm -hmm. I often as someone who can struggle with body image and has kind of jumped back and forth, you know, growing up between sometimes being too skinny, sometimes feeling uh, overweight and never quite, always being a critical person and like, I've like no matter what, I've always got this to change, Mm. is this, I have to remind myself, and I think we need the reminder that our bodies are instruments, not ornaments. Hmm. This is helpful because if we remind ourselves that God has given us a purpose for our bodies, that doesn't always have anything to do with what they look like, but how they work. Mm, it's good. Then this is helpful and it helps nav like helps us kind of keep things honed in and helps us navigate the very rocky and, and oftentimes murky waters of of body image. Of we never want to fall down the path of going, We're our body image is everything. We're and you know, we have to be at six percent body fat our entire lives, or we don't want to make it nothing where we don't care what we look <laughs> Man, like. And
0: nobody's at six percent body fat well, <laughs>
1: I'm just telling you. And so when we focus on our bodies being instruments instead of mm-hmm. ornaments we we focus on what God's intended purpose for us is and that's this I, I in my opinion it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart mind soul and strength remember soul means body and so inward and outward mm-hmm. and what that means for us is that we have a purpose to how we're supposed to, and our bodies are meant to help us work out that purpose. Mm-hmm. And so that helps us navigate those waters because it's like, well, guess what? 6% body fat is really not going to help you do that any more right. than 12% body fat right. is. But I don't know what the number is here, but 30% body fat may actually get in the way of you being able to do right. that. Because right. if you can't, Maybe if you're unable to walk because of of your weight or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. because of the limiting factors of those choices of whatever, like that gets in the way. And let's get
0: off of weight and go to, you know, my big ears. Yeah. Which weight, ostensibly, you can change. My big ears, you can't. Yeah. But guess what? My body's an instrument, not an ornament. Do they still hear? (laughs) Yeah. So I might look like a trophy head, but they still hear. Then they're doing what they're supposed to do. And then I get to live by faith. I have to live by faith to say, well, Lord, you made me this way. Let me keep walking forward. Yeah. Like that's really helpful just to remember, God, you made me purposefully, wonderfully, fearfully made. um, And I'll just keep walking forward with, you know, the bald spot or the big ears or the things I can't change. Yeah. As well as then living into health with the things I can change. yeah. So, gosh, maybe, you know, if, if I'm unable to get, you know, function, then my body's an instrument, not an ornament. So it's not for the looks of it. It's for the able to live life of it. Well, maybe yeah. I need to go out for a walk, you know, three times yeah. a week and so on and so forth. So that's great. Yeah. That's great. Because I do think this body image thing um, is not about... Again, we're not trying to say we have to look like, you know, the Hollywood Western Instagram version of a human body. Yeah, you don't. But have it's to be instruments, not Christ. ornaments. This yeah. is this is the best uh, to me. The best thing. Okay, yeah. so then that's from what's inside our heart, sin affecting all the stuff on the outside. But you also said, also what's on the outside affects our inside. So that the outside body sin mm. affects our heart. So let's. Just quickly talk about that.
1: Yeah, I think we just need the reminder that what happens to our bodies can also affect our souls. Paul Mm. talks about this a good bit, actually. And it's the idea that outward sins have inward consequences. We know this. And so let me give you three main examples. And Jason, I'll take some help on this, just kind of walking through these. Uh, but the first one is substance abuse, al- like so alcohol, drug abuse, all that stuff. And this is probably the easiest one to talk about because we know this. Mm-hmm. We for most of us we've had relatives who've struggled with alcohol abuse or drug abuse or maybe even ourselves have. And we've seen the weight that it's that it's and the toll that it's taken on both our bodies but also on our souls and our like the inward part of us as well in the heart and how it can often draw us to, into more and more sin. Well, and
0: it just—it's just super simple to understand because you're yeah. addicted to something. It's a chemical addiction or a physical yeah. addiction, and then it affects everything about your life. Yeah, and and you hate yourself. So there is very simple. Yeah. All right, number two, because this is
1: this is the one that's close to home. <laughs> I I didn't want to write this one. Uh, it's gluttony. I'm and gonna so, let you touch this. <laughs> oh no, I, I this is one I need help on. Uh, gluttony. Gluttony. You know, our relationship with food matters.
0: I'm gonna open a restaurant called Gluttony. Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> Our relationship with food does matter.
1: Yeah. And and I, I'm not sure we always believe that. I'm not sure we often, I think often we look to the celebration and the, the pleasure of food and not just the nourishing factor of it. And it's definitely both. But oftentimes we put all of our weight on how good something tastes and how, really how good it tastes instead of how well, it nourishes me, or even it makes me feel. And when I should stop, because yeah. man,
0: that taste is so good. I just yeah. want the third piece. And that's <laughs> the hard part. Is notice I said third? Yeah,
1: because and the, and that's what I was about to say is like at some level, there's no. I wish there was a bold line of like, when's enough cheesecake." Yeah. How many uh, how many cookies is enough? Mm-hmm. I don't know. See, for me, I'm I'm in that place where I can say no all day, and but I can't say stop. That one, like I'm a if you offer me cheesecake if you say that like I can I can just keep saying no to everything because I'm disciplined there but I lose my discipline when I eat one because one's gonna become 12 and that's just where I have to I have to know that about myself and I have to just have to walk that out because I'm gonna quickly fall into gluttony if I because one is gonna become gluttony for me for most things And there are some things, I never have that problem with celery or carrots or anything. Uh, (laughs) I could say no to celery all day. And gluttony is not only a matter, and gluttony is
0: a mean word, but we're just meaning overeating. And we just, it's just so much more fun to rail on sex and drugs than on food. But we all are in this food lane of, okay, what, not only am I eating too much of it, But am I making too much of it? Am I thinking too much about the food that's going in my body? So even if I'm not eating, if I'm focused on it, then I'm a different kind of glutton. Because I'm thinking the food is going to satisfy me. And so there's a body sin that's going to affect my heart. So it's fascinating. But I think that's a really good little quote there, Ben, I can say no all day, but I can't say stop. (laughs) Once you start, you can't say stop. All right. So substance abuse, gluttony, two outward sins that definitely affect our hearts, our lives, our characters. Third one you mentioned.
1: Yeah, is sexual sin. You know, Paul specifically talks about this one a good bit as well. And.
0: And sexual sin spans. Absolutely. From uh, like from uh, what you view or what you fantasize about, like, like as you know, the most important sex organ in our body is our mind. Mm. And, and so there you are on the one hand, all alone to um, sexual sin of in a consensual relationship, but you're fooling around your kids or, or you're dating or whatever, and you're doing too much to things that are really beyond one man, one woman together and and whatever, to then violence in that. So all the way to rape. So like from just what's in your mind all the way to a horrible, violent um, rape. This is all sexual sin. It's not just that the final one I mentioned is sexual sin and everything else is fine because it's consensual.
1: Yep. And I think the helpful thing to remember here is that all of these are harmful and injustice to the body. Like not just one of them. And the reason for that is because at a deeper level it's not just we it can be easy to reduce sexual sin to just like a like a kind of the the paper cut on your hand you're like oh it hurt but it's it's just a paper cut. Mm. But if your bo- if you are your body and your body is you and there really is a deep connection between and there is a deep connection between the outward body and the inward soul, and that the Bible is talking about those two together cohesively, then what we do to our bodies is also what we're doing to our souls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is why there's such a consequence on the outside affecting what's inside. Mm-hmm. And this is the conversation you know I have with students, and we and and but also some of our parents and and adults as well, of like all the way from pornography that you know, because it's easy to to think, oh, what is this really hurting? Like it's not really affecting right, anything right. or that one, is, yeah. that one night out mm-hmm. or whatever it is. We go, oh, it's just that one thing. No, but the cost is much higher than what we think it is. Like just because no one got hurt, no one got pregnant, we don't see any consequence like that. Like, no, there's a real weight, there's a real cost here. Because what you do to your body, you've done your soul because you are your body. Your yeah, body is right. you.
0: This is great. And there's hope. Like, just like there's hope in sickness and in cancer and in heart disease and in body shame, you know, what's inside affecting the outside. Um, also, there's hope what's outside affecting the inside for addiction or gluttony or sexual sin in all of it, because the gospel is a gospel of hope and absolutely. God is the God of redemption. And he's the, not only the God of second chances, yep. but of 320 second chances. Yeah. Because we're living
1: <laughs> redeemed bodies now. Like, yeah. yes, they're absolutely broke. It's like that, that weird having to be able to hold both the saints and sinners and mm-hmm. each in one hand, like we are broken, but yet redeemed bodies. Yeah. Yep. And yep. there's great hope in that. And I think for us, like as we have, are trying to apply this, a, right here at the end as well, as we have through it. like We need to make sure that we are stewards of our bodies. I think mm-hmm. that's the outworking of this. Yeah. Because if we're gonna put such a weight and to help good. us really have a cohesive unit of body and soul, like that those are together, then how we take care of our bodies really does matter. And because we're not just, we, we're like, of course we need to steward our soul because that's what matters, but it's easy to assume that, oh, the body's just gonna burn up and it's separate from the soul. But if they are together because they are together, and we are our bodies and our bodies are us, then we need to be stewards of them. And we need to make that a priority.
0: Instruments for God's glory, not ornaments in life. Hmm. That's great. Ben, thank you for doing the hard thinking about this. I know you've read Sam Alberry's book about a theology of the body. Nancy Piercy has a great book yep. about a theology of the body. Look those two up, they're great. Uh, but thank you for pushing us along, drawing us along, Um, to think carefully about our whole lives that God has given us, and um, I love it. And I really love that. Uh, They are instruments, not ornaments. That, to me, is the takeaway uh, that's going to help me the most. I hope there's been a good takeaway for everybody else listening. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.